You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. My guest today is Gary D. McCormick. He is an accredited public relations practitioner. He is a fellow with the PRSA, and he also handles partner relations for HGTV Scripts. Uh, He has on his, uh, I'm, I'm here with him at the 2009 PRSA International Conference, and he has not one, not two, but three ribbons coming off under his badge. You know how it is when you go to the conferences. You can identify the big shots by the ribbons. And I'll read the ribbons that he has. One says Board of Directors. That would be the Board of Directors of PRSA. The other says Fellow PRSA. And I I don't really know what that is, but I take it it's a big shot thing of some kind. We'll find out. And the last says Chair Elect, which he just told me means he's going to be the chairman of the board. Uh, I don't have a cigar for him, so I know he's going to be disappointed when we're done. But uh, I, I can picture him on the golf course with a caddy, teeing it up and smoking cigars with somebody named J.W. Uh, we are here at the 2009 PRSA International Conference, and I am glad to have him with me at this table. Welcome, Gary. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure, as always, to be here and talk to you. How to be a big shot, special episode of On the Record Online. We are going to figure out now what it takes, how you do it, how you, come, how you go from a regular guy like me to a big shot like Gary. And the first question I have, Gary, how did you get on? How did you become a, what is a fellow of PRSA and how do you become one? Well, first of all, you got to work for 20 years. So you got to be, you know, one of the, one of the old people in the profession. Um, but it's actually a very distinguished group of people in the public relations society who have a distinguished body of work, who've contributed to education, who've contribu- contributed to the profession, um, and a very lengthy process, which is, which is a little painful because you have to assess your own career of, really, what have I achieved? Um, and you have to dig through a lot of things in the attic to, find, to, to remember exactly what was it that I did do at that job because uh, they're going to ask those people, and so it's probably not one of those better things to be caught in the middle of a fabrication that you know, you've redefined history and this is what you thought you did. Uh, but it, it really is, a, is a, a telling moment when they accept you in and you join the group of people that really made a difference in our profession. So it really is quite an honor to be a member of the fellows, but they are big shots. I could imagine that it is an honor, and I don't want it to seem as though I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun at it because I, I, I would imagine that to be a PRSA fellow is a big deal. How do you become one? Are you voted? Are you nominated? Uh, what's the process? Well, the, there's criteria that, that you have to meet as far as the, the long, your length and period, but there's a very, very lengthy application. Um, so you self-nominate. So you apply. You nominate you, you yourself. Apply, yes. Okay. Um, and then there's a very strong vetting process by the existing fellows to go through your application and talk to your references and basically check your work. And it's probably worse than any job interview you've ever been through to, to really make it through the process. Why? Why is it, why is it so hard? Um, I think it's because it really the distinction that they hold, the society holds, and the fellows themselves hold within the society. Um, and they do a lot of mentoring. They do a lot of, of other things for members. 
Um, and there's just a, a kind of a line of demarcation that, that we're going to hold and, and hold them accountable for in order to have the distinction. What's the process like? What's some of the things that they do before they award you or uh, recognize you as a fellow? They, they take all the applicants. Um, they go through their application. They check, check the employment. They actually then start calling people that you have as references. And it's, you know, the old snowball interviewing process where, you know, gee, Eric, you, you know, you know, Gary and you worked with him here. Who else worked with him there? So it's not a matter of, gee, I'm only going to get the people I, you know, I really know that that I like and like me to, to write letters. They really do dig down deep and talk about your professional um, aptitudes, your professional contributions, how the how you've worked in education, how you've worked in the profession to change it. And it really does... Uh, impact the profession by the people that are that are accepted into the college would you say that um that 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 rising to the top of an organization like prsa or really any nonprofit organization that's you know a member organization really you know you, you can't you sort of have to play to the middle you can't really have any strong opinions or you know if you call too much attention to yourself maybe you know you'll be frowned upon i mean is it basically you know is it a political process really more than anything else well i think first of all you know it's a self-nominating process so let's be really honest it's the people that are the willing to expose themselves to that and have an interest in it and I think that everybody comes to it from a different way, Eric. I think, I think some people clearly want to serve. Some people come through. It's the next logical step. Um, I think we'd be naive to think that some people don't do it just for some recognition. Um, but a lot of people also do it because it's an incredible learning process. It's an incredible networking opportunity. And I tell you, it's helped me both professionally and personally to be a volunteer in this organization. And ironically to be able to touch people that to me were icons in the industry that all of a sudden you're working elbow to elbow with and getting first-hand knowledge straight from them so um is is that really the value i mean what is the value of being active in prsa well you know that's a very interesting thing because we as an organization one of the things that this conference is is delivering value and one of the things i'm looking at next year is increasing the number of touch points for members to find that value in PRSA because it's such a diverse profession. I mean, there are so many people that do different things that are defined as public relations. So if you're trying to provide professional development and networking for all of those things, you can understand all of the moving parts that we would have in the organization. But the difficulty has been for people that come to PRSA, how do they touch the parts that they really have a passion for or a need for? So we have done a couple of things next year to try to increase those touch points so people can find their way. One was the new website, which has a much, much more information and ability for people to navigate and find what they're looking for and be able to access the information and the people that will help them build their network and build them professionally. So that, that's one of the big things. The other thing next year in the board of directors is there's 16 people that sit on the board of directors, myself included. I've broken them into four subcommittees and given them each an, a focus area that impacts our industry in advocacy, community, diversity, and education so that there are more people for our members to touch. 
so they don't not, they don't need to call me. We'll identify all those areas if they have a passion in serving, if they have a need for professional development, if they have a networking opportunity, they can drive into the organization much quicker with the multiple touch points. So I think it's going to be much more successful in us delivering that value you asked about. Hey, just some feedback for me as a member. I've been a member for gosh, it's probably 10 years now. And um, one time I actually was a judge in the PRSA anvil, bronze silver anvil. anvil. Silver anvil. Is it and silver? Bron- silver and bronze anvils, yes. One of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a great experience. I'd never done it. I'd been asked a lot and I'm busy, you know, but I did it one time. <clears throat> and basically I was handed, you know, a, a stack of binders of the best work that, you know, people in my industry had done. And I got to just look through it. And I'll tell you, it was fun. I got to meet other people, and I, it was just a wonderful way to get ideas and get exposed to other people in, in the industry. And so if you're a PRSA member or if you're thinking about being a PRSA member, I would really recommend to judge one of those awards. Anyone can do it, I think, right? Absolutely. And, you know, almost every local chapter has their own awards program, and they have reciprocal judging from other chapters. So even on a local level, you have an opportunity to judge other chapters' work, and it really is the best work that's being done across the country. Now, the Silver Anvils is, you know, probably the the top shelf of that, um, but it's really all of those are available. And the and the unknown secret to a lot of people is those case studies in of the Silver Anvils are all available to our members to review. So you can go find over the last decades some of the best work that's been done in corporate communications, in issues management, in crisis communication. It's all sitting there literally on the shelf for you to look at and figure out how you can apply it to your own business and clients. So um, you're also on the board of directors. What, how do you get on the board of directors for PRSA? How do you earn that a seat on the board? Well, a lot of it is from your volunteer experience, your knowledge knowledge of the organization. It comes through a nominating process um, where candidates are reviewed by uh, over a weekend for our board of directors and for our Who officer positions. Who nominates or someone else? It can come either way. You can be nominated by somebody else or by yourself, but you end up then putting in the personal information that, that, that tells why you're qualified. And is it like a form that you have to Absolutely. fill out? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's a form. There's several questions about... Um, the society itself, your knowledge, your experience, both inside and outside of PRFA, PRSA and leadership, as well as the profession. Um, and then the, the nominating committee reviews the candidates, and the slate is then recommended to our governance body, the assembly that meets once a year, uh, for election to the board of directors. And, um, and next year, you've been elected the chairman of the board. Yes, sir. That seems like that's a pretty big responsibility. I mean, what kind of time commitment is that? Well, you know, so far, even this year, as the chair-elect, um, I think, and, I, and I'm, I'm hopefully not mistaken, that it was the bigger time commitment because we have the leadership rally where we bring in all the presidents-elects from around the country and the new section chairs that will serve with me as the leadership in 2010. And we do a three-day process of really talking about leadership training, understanding the resources of PRSA, how do we deliver them on the local level, how do, what do they want from the national level. And it's really a three-day lead, leadership convening. Um, and then you go from that into the strategic planning for the year, and then from the strategic planning into the budgeting of the process, and then making sure that the committee assignments for all the moving parts 
um, and we have something like 29 different committees or task force that are out doing volunteer work to build all of the parts that deliver value from PRSA. So I've spent my year talking to a lot of people and doing a lot of planning, putting budgets in place, doing the the management plan, setting the new um, supporting actions for our for our strategic plan of what we will do to deliver the forward motion for the organization. So I keep telling people, I think the hard work's done. It's kind of a plug and play and let the people do their job now next year and to just oversight and manage the process and now have an opportunity as chair to really have that touch points to go out and instead of 20,000 members, it's who are the members and, and what are their stories and what are their needs and really get an opportunity to put the faces with the people that are members that we're trying to deliver value to. So that part to me, while it may be a large large time commitment, um, really is probably the best part of the job. So the good part's yet to come. So. You are chairman of the board of PRSA, the organization, which is headquartered in New York City. But it's also comprised of a number of different local chapters. How many chapters are there? We have more than 100 chapters that are represented in cities across the country for the 20,000 members that we're talking about. And the chapters are all managed entirely by volunteers, right? Some of them will have a chapter administrator, which is a paid position or a part-time paid position, or they'll have a consultant firm that does that for them. But for the most part, yes, those hundred chapters run by volunteers. And, you know, I've got to think that, you know, the level of sophistication varies from one chapter to the next. But to someone who was in the profession considering joining, they may not perceive a difference between the quality of the content that's produced here at the PRSA International Conference in San Diego and a local chapter, um, Professional Development Day. So, I mean, how does an organization, how does PRSA make sure that all the professional development opportunities, that all the things that go on at the chapter level um, support the level of content and opportunity that is created at the national level. Well, some of that comes from that leadership rally, where we actually show them the resources and the contents that's available. Um, Some of it's the continuity between presidents passing things on. Some of it's driven by the consumer need. And each of the chapters, I mean, one of the things I'll tell you is we we really do have a very good retention of our membership. And if the local local level isn't delivering the value, which is really the first touch point for members, they're going to lose those members. So there's really a business case for delivering value and professional development and networking opportunities, which are the two things that values members say they value the most, to keep that at a very high level in order to keep the membership engaged. And they reach back. Um, they look at the national conference. A lot of these there are very high national-level people delivering the professional development. They will mirror a lot of it. We make uh, some of them available to local chapters to use as well. So these people that have presented at the three days of conference PD, all of the chapters now have them. We have a speakers bureau. Um, The sections, which are the different areas of specialization in public relations, have speaker bureaus. So we try to make accessible to them as many people as we can. We try to give them ideas of PD mirroring what we're doing on a national level. Um, Sometimes we share resources with larger chapters or with their regional conferences as well. And um, we go out and we visit the chapters as well from national. 
So there's any number of ways that we can we can come to that. We try to help chapters. We take chapters that maybe are smaller or aren't doing as well. Um, we do membership surveys to see how they're performing. And we pair them with other chapters that are more successful, and they mentor those other chapters. So there's a lot, lot of cross-pollinization. What is PRSA's biggest challenge? I think our biggest challenge going forward is to, to not only keep up with technically where we need to deliver, but because the, the marketplace is changing so much, we need to stay ahead of the trends and be able to provide the tools and the training for our members that they are going to need to, to stay at the table, to stay engaged. I think the business case for public relations is going to change a lot of how our members and how our companies and clients view public relations and that bottom line value. And I think that has just been announced and is up on our website at prsa.org. And I think it will really change the perception and actually the real definition of what we're doing as PR is delivering to, to business outcomes. Gary D. McCormick, APR, fellow PRSA. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.